My beloved in Jesus Christ our Lord, it is so good to be with you this morning and celebrate the Feast of the Veneration of the Cross. In the Byzantine Church, there's three words you need to know and understand very well. These three words are, however, unless, and except. It's always this way, however. It's always this way, except. And this Sunday is no different. We always wear bright colors on Sunday as a reflection of the little Pascha that it is. Except when the Feast of the Veneration of the Cross fall, is, we celebrate on the third Sunday of Lent. We do this one other time should the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross fall on a Sunday. We never make prostrations or kneel on Sundays except for the Feast of the Veneration of the Cross that we have today. And then the exception is when we come up to the cross, we venerate it by making the sign of the cross and a prostration twice, venerating the cross with a kiss and one more sign of the cross and a prostration. So three words you need to learn in the Byzantine church. It's always this way, however, unless, and except. Okay? Those three words. My first day at the uh, first class of the, in studying the Tipicon, the rudder that guides the church, at the halfway point, I told the professor, Father David Petrus, those three words I've just learned, we must memorize. Okay. Having lived on Beacon Hill for, what, six years now, Pawnee and Kelly and I have tried to find a way around, but Beacon Hill, for us, is really not a neighborhood. There's nothing up around here that we like to go to, maybe one little restaurant on a corner and the link. Outside of that, there's nothing really here. The grocery store is great, but expensive. So we like to go to West Seattle. We kind of consider that our neighborhood. We go all over over there. And we like to, you know, of course, you go over the big West Seattle Bridge. And we're going over the West Seattle Bridge. You'll find Pawnee Kelly looking out the window, and she's looking at Mount Rainier. And I'm looking out the window, and I'm always looking at the salt water. It's just the way it is. It's not that I don't like Mount Rainier. It's not that she doesn't like the salt water. It's just kind of where our focus goes. Now, I think Pawnee Kelly's is because her father, we worked for the ranger station, and he was down in Mount Rainier, and he was on that mountain all the time, climbing it, rescuing people from the top continually. So she grew up on that mountain. And so that mountain is quite an oppressive force for her. And for me, when I first moved to western Washington, western Washington is flat, Moses Lake, just some rolling hills. But when I came over here, man, that mountain was everywhere. 14,900 feet high. You can't miss it. Everywhere you turn, you see that mountain. It's quite a phenomenon. I'll never forget when I started roofing that first summer, we had a particularly dry summer. Over two months of no rain, clear weather. And we were always looking at Mount Rainier because when the cap would come on the top of the mountain, that means moisture was present and the rain was coming. So I worked for two months, seven days a week, not a break, continually looking at that mountain for that cap to come on top of it. We say we live in the shadow of that mountain. 
We find it in all kinds of pictures of the Northwest. It's like the centerpiece. But as wonderful as that mountain is, as powerful as that mountain is, it has no effect on the entire life that you and I try to live. We live in the shadow of the space needle of great monuments that man has made, but none of those can affect the interior life of man. Oh, we look in awe and wonder, but they don't make a change in the very core of your being. Only one thing has made such a profound change in humanity. Only one monument stands the test of time that has changed the course of history and changed the course of humanity. And that one thing is the cross of Christ, that very piece of wood that he was nailed on. That cross affects us today. The way we mark our calendars. How do we differentiate between 2019 now and 2019 earlier? We say B.C. or A.D., of course, that delineation came from the cross. Now, of course, they de-Christianized it and said it's Christ a common error or before common error. But someday, some young boy or girl is going to go to their teacher and say, but what was the mark at that point in time that we'd make that difference between before and after? And if that young boy or girl does their homework, they will find at the center of that change is the cross. Because Christ to die, came to die on that cross and bring about new life and the resurrection for all mankind, there is nobody that can escape its power. Yesterday morning we had the prayers for the deceased, All Souls Saturday. And at the Panihita, at the end, we were by in front of the uh, tetrapod here, and, and the deacon was going through the names, and the, the cadillo, the incenser, was swinging, the incense was rising as we were calling to mind our loved ones. And I was thinking to myself, not one of them has escaped the power of the cross. It's impregnated in their very being. Whether you're a believer or not, that cross is going to affect your life because you are all going to rise from the dead. That is the first gift that the cross came. Our forgiveness of sins, which brought about death, and then Christ destroyed death by rising again. Whether they say it's fake, it's not real, I don't believe it, doesn't change the fact that everybody on that list that we prayed for yesterday morning found out in an instant when they passed over the curtain, they found Christ standing there with his cross because Christ and his cross cannot be separated. Now, when we were baptized and chrismated, the very first thing the priest did 
was sign you with the sign of the cross. All the actions of anointing were done in the sign of the cross. It's been impregnated into your heart, to the very core of your being. It's an indelible mark that can never be changed. It can be covered over, but not undone. Christ in our gospel said today, whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow in my steps. In other words, if you're going to follow me, be all in. Endure all that's there, but be faithful to me. And I will lead you to salvation. Be faithful to me, and I will give you peace that the world cannot give. Be faithful to me, and I will give you a new life that the world can't even imagine is available. But when he said those words, he did not say, I don't care about your free will, you will do it. John Chrysostom says that Christ crowned us with free will to make our own choice in that moment. We choose whether we are going to follow or not. We choose whether our eternal life, that is sheer gift, is going to be heaven or hell. We make the choice. We have nobody else to blame but ourselves. Pick up your cross and follow after me. We live in the shadow of the cross, and yet that shadow is filled with light. Beginning this Friday, we are going to be hearing about Abraham. And starting from Abraham, we start seeing the shadow of the cross way back then. In different and various ways, we start seeing things pointed to the cross until we get to that event on Good Friday. And from that time on, the cross is shining light onto the rest of the world. There's no more powerful monument ever constructed than the cross of Christ. Because it changed the fabric of time from mortality for us to immortality. It changes from being separated from God to being adopted sons and daughters of God. The power of the cross. So as wonderful as Mount Rainier is, magnificent, mighty, and power, it is pales in comparison to a little piece of wood. But that little piece of wood would change Eternity for you and I. You know, if I were going to create a religion and have some monument, it would be a sword. You look at Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Couching Tiger, you know, about those Chinese, Japanese swords. They almost make it spiritual, right? King Arthur, the sword of King Arthur, it's almost a spiritual nature. I mean, isn't that the sign of might, the sign of power? That's how we think. But God chose another way. He chose a, a sign of humility to bring about the change in life. A sign of torture and punishment 
to bring about this life of eternity. A simple piece of wood on which he allowed himself to be hung on it. Obviously, God's ways are not my way. And thank goodness for that. Because I can't do anything to save anybody apart from Christ. We stand next to the monument of Christ. We cling to it. We bless ourselves with it. Who of us has not done something, said a word, done an action that we don't quickly regret and forget? Make the sign of the cross. Say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. You will be forgiven. If you do something a little more graver, go to the sacrament of confession. Confess the sin. And through the absolution of the priest, he makes the sign of the cross over your head, forgiving you those sins. It's not his personal power. It's the power of Christ. And the forgiveness that came from him dying on the cross. This is just a tiny, tiny sliver of what the cross means in our lives. The fathers, of course, would write volumes about this. But for us today, let us just know that the greatest monument that mankind has is the cross. And let us cling to it, blessing ourselves with it, and proclaim its glory. Because there is nothing more glorious and powerful as the life-giving cross. And Christ used that as an instrument for you and I to be united with him and bringing us to life in the heavenly kingdom.